Welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. Well, good morning again. Well, this is our week three of In God We Trust. And if you ever just want to grab this card that you were handed to on the way in, this is night of prayer and intercession for uh, New England. We've been talking about this all month, but it just happens that the, um, the inspiration for this event is Greg Winslow. And well, it's really the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Um, but Greg um, is the one who said yes to um, take the leap of faith and rent out this new arena. And he's here with us here. So welcome, please, Greg Winslow. Give him a hand. And um, thank you, Greg. Give us a 30-second snapshot of why you said yes to the Lord in this and what you hope to accomplish. Well, we served this 27 years as missionaries in Mexico. We had an epidemic. We gathered together, and we pushed it back. Jesus gave us authority to get the job done when he left. As we prayer walked Manchester, we saw this region needs Jesus just like we needed it back then. We prayed for other people to get the snoo, and God told us to get it. We answered the call, and this is just a gathering of churches not based on denomination, but based on birthright to come together and push back what the devil is trying to keep us bound under this opioid, this alcoholism, this whatever. And the church, if the church can't do it, who can? So God has given us the authority, the mandate to come together and to join as one voice, as an army, and push back what the devil has tried to take. So I invite you next week at 5 o'clock, get there early. We're expecting thousands. We're hoping for thousands. Amen. Pastor Mark will be praying from the stage. Uh, Pastor Richie will be singing from the stage. It's going to be awesome. Look for you there, and we'll believe that God is going to do a powerful change. Amen? Amen. Thank you so much, Greg. Appreciate it. But yeah, we want to make sure that you all have the opportunity to be there. Um, if you know um, other people, that fellow believers that don't know about the event, then you'll want to make sure you invite them um, to participate as well. So um, next Sunday night, we're going to, you'll hear about it again t- uh, next Sunday morning to remind you, but next Sunday night. Well, as we said, we're on week three in God We Trust, and um, before I jump into this series, though, I, I do want to let you know that we, we have an marriage event that's coming up, right? You, you've been, we've been advertising that as well. But do you know, as, as husbands, we don't always get it right? What? I know. What? So, so I want to let you know, in my heart and in my mind, I'm a person full of compassion. But sometimes what exits my mouth doesn't always appear like I'm full of compassion. So Audrey's been a little bit under the weather, and a week ago or something, she was throwing up, and, and she was not doing well at all. And no, we're not expecting another child. That's, don't worry about that. She was just up. She was just not feeling well. And, and I, um, my heart and my mind was saying, oh, I am so sorry. I hope you're feeling better. But instead, what came out of my mouth is, what did you do that for? And she's like, what did I do that for? What do you mean? It's like, it's like I had a choice in the matter, right? I had to throw up. And so 
she looked at me with disgust for me saying that, but in my heart, I was like, honey, I love you. I'm so sorry that you're going through that. And so I need to go to the marriage conference because I need some help. And maybe some of you do as well. So that's uh, coming up here on November 2nd, Friday. Well, in God we trust. So we've been going through this series really talking about the role of the church as it relates to government. As you know, midterm elections are coming um, down the pike. And some people will be like, there's some of you who love this series. And other people are like, can you actually give me something that I can apply to my life? And I'm trying to. But I also want to you to catch the vision for why we're giving you this series. I have never, ever preached a series on the church's role um, as it relates to government. But I do believe it's a season that we're in that if the church, as, as Greg has mentioned, if the church doesn't rise up and take its place, guess what? Somebody will rise up and take a place for us. And chances are, if it's not the body of Jesus Christ, it is going to be the enemy and his army that's going to rise up and take a place. And guess what? The enemy always likes to do. Kill, steal, destroy, put people in bondage put fear, put pain, right? So it is our time to allow our voice to be heard. And this is not, hey, against you. This is let the spirit of Christ in us. Remember the very first week when Neil spoke to us, we need to be salt and light, that we realize that we have to approach this with humility and grace. The people are not our enemy. It's the spirit of the air that is. Then we have to realize that if Pastor Richie shared that we must care because if we're not caring, we're actually going to check out of the process and then, then we wonder how it is. And remember what Neil said to us the very first time. He's like, how is it that when the choir would hear or the pastor or the choir director would hear the trains go by filled with Jews who are going over to, um, to be uh, gassed. That because of the screams and the cars, what they did is they said, let's sing louder and realize that they missed the opportunity to have a voice in a situation where Jews were being um, killed. But here is this conflict that I, I want us to understand. And while I'm kind of talking about this, you can turn to two verses. 1 Peter chapter 2, 13 and 17, and Acts chapter 5, 27 through 32. So just go to 1 Peter and Acts. Kind of put your finger in both of those areas. If you have your Bible or if your device who has the Bible on it, please look at these. Because in many ways, and even when Pastor Richie spoke last week, we said, hey, wait a second. Mordecai actually was not obeying the government official, Haman. He didn't bow down to him. But yet there's a scripture that says all authority is ordained by God and that we must honor them. That's that first Peter verse. And we can look at that together. But then you have another verse that says, wait a second, we don't follow man, we only follow God. So how do we reconcile those two differences? And then there's some of you who just like, I'm just trying to get through life. I really don't need to be thinking about this right now, but I want to encourage you that you should be thinking about this right now. That yes, life is hard, and yes, you need to get through life, but I have to say the consequences are very, very significant if we don't care. So in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 through 17, it says this, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor 
as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom to cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Okay, so we have this verse that is really trying to say, hey, we, got, we need to honor those who are placed in authority over us. And he's talking about emperor, governor. Okay, that relates to us, right? We have a governor in the state of New Hampshire. We have a government. We have a federal government. We have a president. And this scripture is saying that we need to honor. Okay, then let's flip over to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. And, and this is a story that after... Some of the apostles had been arrested in prison. They got free from it. And they kept preaching the word of God. And this is what has taken place in Acts 5, 27. And they were brought before uh, the council again. After they had already been freed and kept preaching Jesus. After they were told to stop. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. Them being the apostles, the followers of Jesus. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in the name, in this name, the name of Jesus. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you have intended to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and his apostles answered, We must obey God rather than man. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witness to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given us, who, whom we are to obey him. So here, here's these, this conflict, right? Honor, authority, and yet... We don't listen to authority. We only honor God. We only listen to God. You know, and I think this is the challenge that we've had. We, anybody heard of this expression, separation of church and state? And I think, unfortunately, we've, we've misunderstood what that was. And our founding fathers, what, the reason why we put that um, into our constitution was, or into our laws, or into our thought, was because we are realizing that back in England, the governing authority, a lot of it was the church. And unfortunately, we, they realized the function they need to be separate, that the, there's the function of the government, there's the function of the church, and the reality is, is we want to be able to have freedom in the church that don't have the government telling the church always what to do. And that was the original intent of it. But what we've done is then all of a sudden we said, well, let, well, let's just start then ripping down anything of God's laws, the Ten Commandments. By the way, the Ten Commandments were filled our institutions. Why? Because we realized that we, God's laws were the supreme laws of the land, not just necessarily man's laws. But as time has gone on, we've removed the Ten Commandments out of our courthouses. We've removed Ten Commandments out of our schools. Um, we just started disassembling all those things that would have some semblance of the supreme authority. And I know you might be thinking like, Mark, Mark, this is sounding awfully political here today. 
I'm not, it's not at all. I'm just trying to help us understand the role of the church and the place that we have and how we should, yes, be praying for our government, but there may come a time, there may come a time where laws will be passed if the church stays quiet, the laws will be passed that will go against the laws of God's word. And we have to determine where we're going to take a stand. You know, I love this, this idea that you must know where to stand to take a stand. You must know where to stand to take a stand. And uh, unfortunately, so many people are confused because there's so many voices of, of a position. And you know, the thing is, so much of these positions are based on an opinion, and we have to say we have to stand on God's position, not on our opinion, right? So let's give a couple examples of this. So we, we, let's jump off of the story that we did last week on Esther. So Mordecai was, was Esther's cousin. He raised her. We find Esther now um, in, is the queen. Mordecai doesn't bow down to Haman, who is one of the high officials. And, uh, and what happens is... Haman wants to kill all the Jews because Mordecai would not bow down. Now, if you understand what, what Mordecai was doing, you would probably understand. But on the surface, you read this as like saying, well, Mordecai was not honoring the authority, the governing authority over him by not bowing down. Or could it be that he understood the Ten Commandments and you shall not worship any other God except the God, right? You shall have no other God. And so could it be that Haman was kind of like, worship me, bow down to me. And Haman was so upset at Mordecai, so he was going to eradicate the Jews. By the way, that's what the spirit of the enemy wants to do. Remember, kill, steal, destroy. Anytime that it doesn't get its way, it wants to kill, steal, destroy. So let's eradicate all the Jews because Mordecai wouldn't bow down. Thankfully, Queen Esther took a risk, went and saw the king, Uncover the plot of Haman, and the Jews were spared. Let's give another example of this. Now, the interesting thing about uh, Esther, that, was, that story was written actually in 480 BC, before Christ. So a few years before that, in the book of Daniel, we have another interesting story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember those guys? Maybe not. If so, these were guys that were uh, not going to bow down. They were good followers of Jesus. They were also Jews. And, and the king at the time, King Nebuchadnezzar, was basically saying, hey, I want you to worship these golden statues. And they said, no, we only worship one true God. And they refused to bow down. Well, as a result, what, did, what happened? They got thrown into a fiery furnace, right? But were they consumed? Did they die? No, they didn't. There was a fourth man in there. It was an uh, angel, or some would say it was the spirit of Jesus that was there with them. So I, I want you then also to think about Daniel. So in this same book, Daniel, who now is a governing official, by the way, God raises up people to place them into political realms. By the way, some of you should be running for political, political positions because God needs his light and his witness in those institutions. 
But so here's Daniel in a high governing uh, position. And there are people, especially Darius, who was his commander, who was a Mede. He was not happy that Daniel had so much favor, so much wisdom. By the way, when we follow Jesus... People are going to take notice because we have the Spirit of God in us that we will have supernatural wisdom, supernatural knowledge that's going to make us really good at our job. Amen. It's true. So we're going to have a target sometimes of people who want to be jealous over us and who don't like our success. And so they want to actually create lies about us. Anybody been there? I know I have. So, so here's this place that that Darius is upset with Daniel, so he convinces the king that he's going to say, by the way, I want you to say nobody can pray for 30 days. Nobody can pray. If they want to pray, they can pray to you, O king, but they can't pray to their God. And Daniel, who basically is saying, I'm I'm not going to... But he does it humbly. He keeps praying privately to the one and only God. Set up. He was set up. What happens to Daniel? Daniel in the lion's den, right? We know that story. So what happens, true, sure enough, Daniel gets thrown in the lion's den, and thankfully, the Spirit of God closes up the lion's mouths, and Daniel is spared. Now, the interesting thing with all of these stories is you have to begin to understand the conflict, but also understand how they took a stand, you see, if they didn't know where to stand, they would not know how to take a stand. And in this season, when there's so many voices speaking to us about issues, we have to say, well, how do I even know what's right? And I'll just say, this is why we have to be in the Word of God on a very regular basis. And I would say daily, first hour of prayer, first hour of reading your Bible every day. Why? Because it shows you how to know what God thinks about things. It teaches us how to take a stand. It shows us how, where we should be standing so we can take a stand. You see, if Daniel was just like, oh, the king said we can't pray anymore, and therefore, um, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, oh, we just better, it's just an idol, not a big deal. I mean, it's just like the patriots, not a big deal. I mean, it's not like we're worshiping the patriots, right? Are they on today, by the way? Mm, Where was I going with that one? I don't know. But anyways... So, so here's the understanding, though, of this. It's like we have to then know who is our God, what are his laws, because at the end of the day, his laws are supreme. Because when, when we're saying, well, who do we follow, the governmental rulers or God? We would say we must uphold our government's laws as long as they don't contradict the laws of God. All right. Well, here's the thing. This is a sobering part for us. So first, we have to understand what the Bible says, number one. Number two, we also have to understand what is going on in our institutions. Mordecai was, was sitting at the city gates. He knew what was happening in the government. Thankfully, he actually knew how to then take a stand for the situation. He convinced Esther, you need to go see the king. Are we not aware of the laws that are being taking place, that are, that are being made in our land today? 
Because it's one, we have to know what God says, and then number two, we have to be aware of the laws that are being made. Thankfully, Cornerstone has been a great resource for us. And they're the ones who are keeping tabs in all the legislation that's taking place in the state of New Hampshire. And they're beginning to then educate us. So if you want to know how to be educated, I'd just go to Cornerstone's website and they would be able to tell us uh, some of the laws that are, that are coming up that would be contrary to the word of God. But here's the sobering part. In Hosea 4.6, it says this. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now, if you just say that, that you just read that part, you'll be like, okay, we just have to be more educated. Educated to what, though? We just got to go to school? Kids, go to school. It's good to get an education. But that's not exactly what it's saying. For lack of knowledge, because you have rejected knowledge, I reject you from being a priest to me. In other words, a representative of Jesus, of God. And since you have, now this is the place that you have to balance out the first part of it, knowledge. He goes under this. And since you have forgotten the law of your God, let me repeat that. And since you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. Now, what this is saying, God's not forgetting his children. He's just understanding what happens when we forget the law of our God, our children are going to pay the consequences for it. It's going to be like God has forgotten them. Because they're going to, what does the enemy do? Kill, steal, destroy. Any time that the children of Israel got away from God's laws, they were always taken off into captivity. For us, for us, this is a sobering time. And I think this is what the Spirit of God is wanting to encourage us with. That it says, now is a time to be aware. To be aware of God's laws, but to be aware of the laws that are coming into our land. Proverbs 29 11. This is an interesting one because we, we love to quote this one and kind of like, hey, we need more vision. We need more vision and this is how we're going to prosper. But in Proverbs 29 11, actually, you have to look at the balance of this. Where there is not prophetic vision, where there's no prophetic vision, the people will perish. So you leave that in one to say, oh, we just need a, a prophecy of what God's going to say. But you have to get to the other side of it. But blessed is he who keeps the law. He's saying the prophetic vision is you have to understand what God is saying in his word. And so it plays out in the future of saying, wait a second. I'm seeing some laws that are going on right now that are going to take us into a bad place. We need vision to say in 20, 30, 40, 50 years, what's going to happen if we continue to disconnect from what's taking place in our society as a church. Without a prophetic vision for the future, God, speak your prophetic word to us, which by the way, his Bible is a prophetic word. Speak to us that we can be see what is in the future. And blessed is he who keeps the law. Isaiah 5, verse 13. Therefore, my people go into exile for lack of knowledge. Their honored men go hungry. Their multitude is parched with thirst. This knowledge is the knowledge of God's ways. How knowledgeable are you to God's ways? 
This is a time that you must consume the word of God. You must be so saturated with understanding what God thinks on matters. Give you an example. Like, okay, how does this play out? Let me just give you an example. So there's been a law passed, obviously, in New Hampshire, gay marriage is, is, is legal. Now, what if the, the government decided to say, oh, church, we want to say that you must enforce, if anybody wants to get married in your church, whether it's heterosexual or homosexual, you must marry them. And, and by the way, if you choose not to, thank you so much, if you choose not to, you're going to lose your 501c3 status, your governmental status as a nonprofit. All right, so we understand biblically that marriage is between a man and a woman. So we would uphold that we are saying that, that we will only marry people of opposite sex. Marriage is between a man and a woman. And so then if the government says, and by the way, we're going to remove your tax-exempt status, by the way, it affects you, because now all your contributions are not tax-exempt. By the way, are you only giving for your tax-exempt letter, or are you giving freely to the Lord? I know you're giving freely to the Lord, but, but I would say, would you be okay with all of a sudden, we would take a stand to say we're only going to marry heterosexual couples, and it's okay if now we start paying property taxes, because churches don't pay property taxes, and we don't have a tax-exempt status anymore. Would we be okay? Uh, Of course we would, but that's just a really easy one. There could be multiple scenarios of laws that get made that we will then have to take a stand on and know that we have potential pay the consequences, like be not this extreme, but thrown into the fiery furnace, thrown into the lion's den, determined that they were going to wipe out all the race, the Jewish race, right? Because that's what Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Mordecai, Esther, were all going to be facing. Here's the solution, John 17. And we'll close with this idea. The worship team wants to come up. John chapter 17. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I only say that because I'm just trying to find it myself here. Where's where's John? And by the way, the reason I flip through the Bible is because however long it takes me is also probably how long it's going to take you. So I'm actually purposely allowing time for you to find that scripture because I really want you in God's word. I want you to know where things are at. And I want you to be in this book. John chapter 17. Because it could be really easy for us to say, you know, I don't like what the government does. I don't like what our institutions do. And I honestly, I believe the church has done this for all too long. We say, separation of church and state, we're going to just do our thing. Be a church. And we're going to hunker in and we, got, we love our Christian family and maybe we'll even go create some Christian schools and uh, we'll just have Christian friends, Christian schools, church life, and oh, isn't life happy? All right. Meanwhile, 
We might be happy, but there's another world functioning around us in our institutions. And if we have pulled ourselves out, we have left a vacuum in our institutions. Where is the salt and the light? Where is Jesus Christ? Where are the Christians who are upholding and saying, "Um, excuse me, I believe that is in opposition to the word of God. It is amazing that we still open up our state senate in prayer. It is amazing. I actually have the privilege to be one of um, our, what do you call them, chaplains for our state senate. And they've asked me to open up in prayer. And you know what? I come with such humility and graciousness. They don't want me to pray in Jesus' name, and I honor that. But I'm praying in Jesus' name. (laughs) To bring his light into dark places. In John 17, it says this, verse 15. Have you found it? I just need one to say, yes, I found it. Thank you. I do not ask, these are red letters, these are Jesus speaking. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them, or have them be set apart. Sanctify them in the truth of your word. Your word of truth. The word of truth. Sanctify them with your word. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Not separate from the world. Into the world. In the world, but not of it. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, Jesus speaking, and they also may be sanctified in truth. There's a season that he's calling us to be so sanctified in truth. Not religious, not self-righteous, but to understand the truth of the word of God And that we choose to live different because the word has transformed us. And we choose to run every decision that we make through the filter of what does God's laws say. And we choose to then say, you know what, I care about our political institutions because I want those, thankfully we live in a democracy where we get to choose who's governing us. And so we go to the polls and we say, God, who are the candidates that best uphold this? I don't care, Democrat or Republican. That's not a big deal to me. What's a big deal to me is how do they stand on this? But you have to know where you stand to take a stand. If that's a big idea that I want you to talk, uh, that I want you to walk away with, it's kind of like you have to answer that question. Would I know where I stand on issues? And if you don't, you need to start digging in and figure out where to stand. 
Because there's going to be a time where issues are going to come at you. And if you're like tossed to and fro in the the winds of the sea, and you're just like on shifting sand, and you're not standing on the rock of Jesus Christ and his word. I want to encourage you. But now is the time for us to take a stand. I'm not asking any one of you to be political. I'm asking you to be in God's word and to filter everything that we do. That be aware of what our institutions are saying and what they're doing and being willing to take a gracious of salt and light stand. Several ways you can do that. We can gather for, for this event. If my people, we can come together and pray to realize that we're not as alone as we think we are in this world. There's a lot of us who are passionate about Jesus. Another thing is, in a couple weeks, you have an opportunity to vote. Be educated. Know the candidates. And vote for those who are going to uphold God's laws. See, the Bible says, for the lack of knowledge, people perish. And I would say the lack of understanding God's word, people perish. Would you take the challenge to start engaging knowing what's going on in this world, but just running it through the filter of what is God's laws, because it will prosper you. So those of you who are saying, you know what, man, I'm just trying to get through life. How do I do this? I'm saying, you know what, you've got to still process God's word through your getting through life today. I don't have any energy to even know what's going on in our political world today. I know, I know, but but you need to be aware. And then just run it through God's filter of his word and you'll realize the reason why our nation has been so blessed for so long is because we were determined to have our country based on this. In God, we trust. Not in money, not in power, not in position, But in God, we trust through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for speaking to us through your word. Give us the courage like Daniel, like Mordecai, Esther, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to not bow down to the pressures of things that are opposed to you, God. Let us know where to stand. Let us stand on the bedrock and the foundation of your word, Lord Jesus. The Holy Bible. Your written word for us. Lord Jesus, I pray that we have an ever-growing hunger to be in your word. We know what it says and know how it interacts with the decisions that are being made in our institutions. Let us not be ignorant. Let us be aware. 
Let us be vigilant. Jesus, we just thank you for this group of people in this room today that continue to say, Jesus, we put our hope in you alone. We want to be filled by your Holy Spirit to empower us to stand up with all love, with all graciousness, with all humility. I'm mindful that there might be some here today that don't know that who Jesus is, that they've made, never made a commitment to follow Jesus, and today's your day. I want to introduce you to him and give you an opportunity to invite him into your life. While eyes are still closed, heads are still bowed, you just pray. Just pray for those who are here today who need to make this decision. If you are here today and you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I won't ask you to do anything except pray after me, and you can just do that quietly under your breath. But would you acknowledge that today you want to give your life to Jesus? Just slip up your hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? A few more moments. Anybody else? Just slip up your hand. Okay, for those of you who slipped up your hand, you can just pray. And it's a great refresher for all of us. Dear Lord Jesus, I want to make you the Lord of my life. Please forgive me for all the selfishness and the ways that I've done and just living for myself, which chances are probably pretty sinful. I repent. Meaning I turn the other way. I, I'm going st- to run another way. I'm going to run to you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for going to the cross, for taking my sin to the cross. That you've overcome the sins of the world. Three days later, Jesus, you rose from the grave, signifying that you were who you said you were. You're the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And I accept you into my life today, and I want to live for you. I receive you, Lord Jesus. Amen. And all of heaven, rejoice. And let's give a big hand of of encouragement and applause for those who gave their life to Christ. And after service, if you gave your life to Jesus, you want to talk to Victoria right here. She's our gal that loved to follow up with you and help you understand next steps in your new relationship with Jesus. I want to say thank you for being here. I want to say thank you for being open. Sometimes I, I feel like I, I really pray and ask the Lord to give me words to say that are from him for you. And you're so gracious because sometimes these are challenging words for us. But you're hungry for the Lord, and you're receptive. And so I want to say thank you. Let's keep pressing in and seeing what Jesus wants to do through us and through our church. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com. 